It's not by any of those things that we have hope for the future. Jesus is your hope that physical and bodily death is not the end. So we've said a couple of times then, Solomon is going to talk about something this morning that every single one of us is going to experience. And so therefore, what we're going to talk about now is relevant and applicable to every single person that's watching and listening this morning. Every single person that watches this video at some point in the future, that listens to the podcast during the week, no matter who you are, where you're from, where you think your life is going, the stage of life you're at, it doesn't matter. What we're talking about today is for you. Individual, personal you. In the year 1716, an English actor called Christopher Bullock was acting, uh, as actors do, and he said this, he said, it's impossible to be sure of anything but death and taxes. And today we're not talking about taxes. Today then we're talking about death. Now before you switch off and try and find Something else you think will be more uplifting uh, for a Friday morning, uh, don't. Because God's word on death will change your life. I'm just going to put that out there right now. God's word on death will change your life. But just think, is there anything else in the entire world that unites every single human being that is so seldom talked about. Stuff, something that we don't talk about any more than, than death. And I'm not sure that there is. So as Josh read for us then, today we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we're talking about something that unites every single one of us. So we're going to walk through it. We're going to see what it says, we're going to see what it means, and we're going to see what we do with it. So Solomon begins and says, essentially, look, death unites all of us. Look with me at verse 2. He says, everyone shares the same fate, the righteous, the wicked, the good, the bad, the ceremonially clean and unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who do not. What happens to the good person also happens to the sinner. What happens to those who make vows also happens to those who are afraid to make vows. It doesn't matter who you are or the life you are trying to live. Everyone shares the same fate, Solomon says. You, me, all of us. And he said, the unfortunate truth is this. The same fate awaits everybody. And then just for a little bit of extra positivity on top, he says, people's hearts are so full of evil There's folly in their hearts, and then they die. That is what is waiting for each and every one of us living under the sun. A literal and physical, bodily death. Now we should say, you know, should the Lord Jesus return before we die, as we talked about in 1 Thessalonians, then no, you won't experience a physical and bodily death. You will be there to greet and meet him, and then you will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. But the hope of the church, since the church has been the church, since Jesus ascended, the hope has been 
that this would be the last generation and that we will be the people to meet and greet him on his return. But for everybody else, apart from that particular generation, there would be a literal and physical bodily death. And yes, you know, we could well be that generation. It's been the hope of the church since Jesus ascended and the church has been a thing. There are things happening around the world that scripture tells us are going to happen before Jesus comes back. But unless we are that one generation, it makes sense to talk about what's going to happen. How should we think about, how should we feel about, and how should we look at death? Because as Solomon so happily puts it, it's the same fate that awaits uh, all of us. And his attitude about this is, is, is a bit hopeless in it, this under-the-sun perspective. You know, your life is so meaningless. You're not a good person, he says, and then you die. And that's just, you can feel it, it just drains you, thinking about life like that. It's hopeless. But let me ask you, do you want a hopeless life, a pointless, meaningless, hopeless life that finishes with your death. I, I don't want that. Do you want to live? D do you want that as your life? A meaningless, pointless life existence that then ends with a, 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 a death? I don't want that. Do you want that? And then Solomon offers some hope, kind of. He said, there is hope among the living. And you think, oh, good. He's turned the corner. And then he says, a living dog is better than a dead lion because they know that they're going to die. But dead people know nothing, he says. So Solomon says, there is hope in your life under the sun because you know you're going to die. Is that the hope that you want from life? The hope in your life under the sun is that one day you will die. That's not the, please tell me, that is not the hope that you want. And he says, look, those people who've died, what they loved, what they hated, what they envied, all of that stuff, it goes, it, it perishes. They're involved in nothing anymore. And there is some cold, hard truth there, isn't there? Maybe you read this passage and you think, whoa, that sounds so harsh. But just take a moment and think how many people can name all of their great grandparents and what they liked, their favorite food, what they did as a hobby, what their interests were, what they were like as a person. And we see that there's some cold, hard truth in what Solomon says. Life lived under the sun ends when you die and eventually you're going to be forgotten. So what's his advice on this then? This under the sun because your only hope is death. What's his, what's his advice? How do you live if that's the point that you're looking forward to? Looking forward to. The advice then in verses 7 to 10, he says, look, very, very simply, he says, look, just try. Do your best to make your pointless life a little bit less boring, less dull while you've got the chance, he says. You know, and he, and he, he carries on and he expands. He says, look, life is so unfair, random, 
meaningless. He said, I've seen some other stuff. The race is not always won by the fastest. The battle, not always won by the strongest. Prosperity doesn't always come to the wisest. Wealth doesn't always come to the most discerning. Success doesn't come to those with the most knowledge. Because time and chance can overcome everything, he says. It's a life lived under the sun in your own power and strength. Life lived under the sun is, is really random, is really meaningless. It's pretty pointless. So just try and enjoy it while you can because when you die, that's it. And he says, look, people, are all, people get so caught up in life that death comes as a surprise. It's the, it's the one thing that unites every single one of us, but yet it's almost always, almost always a surprise to us. Even though we know it's going to happen for us, it all, almost always comes as a surprise, doesn't it? Look with me at verse 12. Surely no one knows his appointed time. Like a fish, like fish that are caught in a deadly net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, just like them, all people are ensnared at an unfortunate time that falls upon them suddenly. You know, for me... Uh, we had a death in the family this week. And as Solomon says, even if you know it's coming, like we kind of did this week, there's always an element of surprise. There's always a very acute sadness and grief as if somehow you weren't expecting this and you weren't ready for this, even if in your sensible mind you, you know it's coming. There's always an element of surprise and there's an acute sadness as if you weren't ready for this. Because death still feels so wrong to us. And then he starts to wrap up this idea and he uses this example to show that, look, even, even wise people in all their wisdom won't be saved from death. He's saying that wisdom really, human, earthly, under the sun wisdom, is not all that it's cracked up to be and it certainly won't save you from death. So his big idea here in what we would call chapter 9 is that because you're going to die, think about how you want to live. Death should inform your life in the here and now. Because you know there is an end, you should consider how you are living now. And if you've been living your life from this under the sun perspective, no consistency, what appear to you to be a lot of random chance occurrences, let me tell you, there are no guarantees, no surety about the future for you and about your death. You will have no idea. If you're living from this under the sun, fleshly, earthly, self, self, self perspective, you will have no idea what comes next. And the best you can do, says Solomon, is try to make your meaningless life a little bit less boring whilst you're here. But let me ask you, is that what you want from life? To live now, 
have no surety or security about the future and to find that actually your only hope in life is death. The only sure thing you can hope for in the future is your death. Who wants, who truly wants to live like that? Solomon is saying that the, the, there is some hope in your under-the-sun life because you know you're going to die. This is not a particularly positive passage on death, is it? This isn't going to make it into anybody's children's Bibles. Solomon is saying what we all think and all know, yet we all work so hard to avoid talking about there's such a taboo about talking about death. But as he said, we, we all know deep down we're going to experience it. It's the only thing that is cast iron guaranteed for us in the under the sun life. So death is inevitable for all of us. So why does it feel so wrong? Why does death feel so unfair, so unnatural, and so unloving? If, like Solomon said, death is your only hope for the future, why don't we greet it with joy when it comes? You know, when, when I got that phone call earlier this week telling me that there'd been a death in the family, I didn't shed a tear in joy. I shed a tear in, in sadness. But if death is our only hope for the future, why don't we greet it with joy when it comes? Something is wrong here, isn't it? From this perspective, something is wrong. It doesn't quite add up. What he is saying to us doesn't match our experience. Solomon has said a few times in this book that life is a gift from God. So why does this wonderful gift have such a terrible end? under the sun. Why does this all feel so hopeless? Where is the hope? He says, whoever is among the living has hope for they know that they will die. That's not, that cannot be it. Is that the only hope that we've got in our lives? The hope of death? How do we truly put ourselves among the living? He says, whoever is among the living has hope. How do we get there? Where's the real true hope for our lives? Let me tell you something. God loves you more than you can comprehend. And he wants you he passionately wants you to be among the living and have real, true, sure and secure hope. A hope that doesn't crescendo with your own physical bodily death. God wants you to be among the living now and eternally. God loves you and he wants you to be among the living now and eternally to have hope, to have life, not death. And God has laid out before you a path 
to that hope. And he promises in his word to walk with you along this path when you take that first step onto it in faith. Now I'm sure that you've got questions about this. Everybody does. I certainly did when somebody first laid this out for me. And in John chapter 3, we see somebody asking these very questions. So if you've got your Bible there, uh, turn a few books forward with me, uh, past all the major and minor prophets, into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We're going to go to John chapter 3. And at the start of John chapter 3, somebody comes to talk to Jesus. It's not just anybody. It's a Pharisee, a teacher of Jewish law, a keeper of Jewish customs. And he says, all right, Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God because you couldn't do the things that you're doing, these miraculous signs, if God is not with you. So we know there is something different, something special about you. We know that you are from God. And Jesus says, listen, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there will be no more hope for your life than Solomon has got to offer. If you're not born from above, you will not see the kingdom of God if you're not born from above, Jesus says. And this Pharisee says, what? How can I be born when I'm already, I'm already here? I'm old now. How can I be born again? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm living and breathing. I've got a grown-up's body. How can I be born again? And Jesus explains. He says, look, God's kingdom, being among the living, is not a fleshly, physical thing. We can't do it by yourselves. You don't get yourselves born again, he says. We, don't, we can't make sure it happens in our lives that we've got now, which Solomon says will crescendo in the hope of your physical death. And the Pharisee just doesn't, he cannot, he just doesn't get it yet. And Jesus is kind of surprised. Because that group of people should have got it first. They should have known about eternity, the hope of life after death about God's redemptive plan for humanity. The crumbs were always there, but they never followed the path properly. And Jesus continues and he says, look, nobody has seen, nobody has been to the, you know, what happens next except the Son of Man. And just as Moses, back in Numbers chapter 21, offered healing and hope to the people through the lifting up on a pole of a sacrifice, a serpent in that case, Jesus said that it will be the same with the Son of Man. He will be lifted up to on a pole as a sacrifice for the healing, for life, and for the hope of the people who look to him. He said, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Are you starting to feel a little bit more hopeful about your future? Are you starting to feel that your future doesn't have to end in death? And then Jesus said something 
to this guy that you might have heard before. He said, this is, this is how we know that God loves you. This is how we know that God wants you to be among the living. How you and I know that what I'm saying now is, that is not my words. This is God's word. This is how you and me know that God wants us to have hope, life, to be among the living. Jesus said that this is the way God showed that he loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We know that God loves us and wants us to have hope in life that goes beyond our death because he gave Jesus. Jesus is that son of man lifted up on a pole as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of people, for the hope that we will not perish, that we will not die. Jesus is your hope that physical and bodily death is not the end, but that you will have eternal life. Very, very simply, your hope is not your own death. Jesus is your hope. In his life, his death, his resurrection, we've got the evidence that God loves you and wants you to have this sure and steady anchor for your soul, that your physical death is not the end. The hope that is going to anchor you in all the trials and tribulations of life is that this is not it. The only hope you have got is not your own physical death. It doesn't end there. How much have we needed that hope this year? Everything else that we've looked to for surety and security has gone this year. If this, if, if this life was all that there is and our only hope this last 12 months was death... How on earth would you be feeling right now? But do you know what? This might feel like something that's brand new to you, like some kind of new plan. But it was always going to be like this. This was always God's plan for humanity. Jesus is the person that made that plan a reality. Because let me tell you what I see in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I see that death was never part of God's original heart and desire for humanity. And so on this point, Solomon's under the sun thinking that says the, the only hope in your life is your own death. He is so wrong. Solomon's under the sun thinking that he has communicated here for us. That perspective is so wrong. You know, right from the beginning of human habitation on God's creation, we see that God's heart for humanity is life. In Genesis chapter 2, we read, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it, to maintain it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat fruit from every tree of the orchard. And he continues and he says, look, there's one tree that you can't eat from. Uh, and 
if you, if you do, you'll die spiritually. The, the, this, this closeness, this special relationship that we've got will be broken and then you will also die physically. What God is saying there is you can eat from any other tree in that orchard, uh, but if you eat from that one, you're going to be separated from me. You can't stay in the land of the living and eat from the tree of life, which was also in the orchard in Eden. So eat anything you like. Time to put that God-given free will into action. Don't eat from that one. But what you can do is eat from the tree of life. You see, God made humanity to live and first and foremost to have hope in life, not to die. And that is still, that is still God's heart for you, whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are, whatever stage and age you're at. God's heart for you is life. God made you for life, not death. We said, didn't we, that God's word on death will change your life because your hope is not in death. Your hope is of life. So you were made for life, but sins hold on your life and the consequences of your sin mean that there is now a death that we must face. But Jesus has conquered death, taken the ultimate and final sting out of death and he stands ready to take you from that under the sun, fleshly hope of dying and it all being finished into the hope of eternal life. No, being a believer in Jesus doesn't mean necessarily that you will avoid a physical death. Being a believer means if you've believed in Jesus and on Jesus, if you've believed Jesus, a physical death is simply something that we will pass through on our way to stepping into God's kingdom, into eternity, fully. Jesus has taken away the consequences of your sin on the cross, which was death. And through your faith in him, by the grace of God, he offers you life. Jesus offers you more than the hope of a death. How do you secure this hope? What do you need to do to have this hope? All it takes from you is faith. No works, no deeds, no wisdom, no actions. Just faith in Jesus and what is said about him. Who he is, what he did in scripture. It comes to you by grace alone, through faith alone. We just sang together, didn't we? I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. It's not by our gifts, or works, power, any wisdom that we've got. It's not by any of those things that we have hope for the future. Jesus is your hope that physical and bodily death is not the end. He is the evidence that God loves you and wants you, passionately wants you to be among the living. Now 
and into eternity. When you accept that truth, when you accept God's word on death, it will change your life. There are new horizons for you to look to, new plans for your every day, a new purpose to being alive. It's as if you have been born again and you have a brand new life. It was always going to be like this. It was always the plan. God's heart for humanity is life. And Jesus is the person that made that plan a reality. Because of what he did for you then and your faith in him, death is not the end for you as a believer. It's the continuation and the ultimate realization of the eternal life that began in you the moment that you put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're going to pray. And if you've never accepted this truth, never believed in Jesus as your hope in life, through death and into eternity, there is no better time than right now. If you've been surface level agreeing without really truly believing, again, now is the time. There's no better time than now to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus to get for yourself through his grace and his finished work on the cross and his resurrection, to get for yourself the hope of life, to leave behind what Solomon is saying. The only hope in your life is your death. Leave that behind and the hope that comes through Jesus is a hope of life. So if you pray along with us, for the first time we want to hear from you we're going to walk with you down that path that God has laid out for you if you've been surface level agreeing without really believing we want to hear from you as well in fact if you're praying along with us at all and you agree with this we want to hear from you because we want to do this with you so let's pray